If you have your Bibles or an electronic device with your Bible, let's hold it up. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and let them know how much you love them, would you, this morning? I keep hearing lips smack. Now, just slow down on that stuff. Especially if you're sitting by yourself. I don't want you lips to me. Been a series of unshakable faith. Uh, again, all of our, all of our messages and uh, sermon outlines and so forth are on our website. There's a button at the top called sermons. Click on it and then uh, it'll just look for the date, the title, and uh, you can get caught up and stay caught up with all of our messages. Uh, the ones from Mark Barrier are, are uploaded now. They're all there from uh, our Bible conference. And so if you want to go back and capture some of the things that he shared with us, uh, you can do that. But today we're going to continue in our series, uh, Facing Illness with Faith. And I, I had a, a little rough time getting this sermon together this week because of my own struggle with illness. Uh, this has been a three, four year journey, maybe, maybe longer. I'm not sure how long it's been going on, but quite a while. Uh, went from one, one spot to where I lost nearly all of my hair. It got white as snow, if you'll remember. And, uh, then my vitamin deficiencies started showing up and then uh, more things started showing up and then bones in my feet collapsed and started sticking through the side of my foot and um, surgeries after that and I'm still in a walking shoe or whatever they call this flimsy thing that's supposed to sell my foot uh, to where I never thought in my whole life I would ever, ever, ever ride in a on a little scooter I always made fun of people that rode in those scooters thinking, man, look at those silly people. And now I are one. Uh, grateful, grateful for those scooters. Because now with the legs and the feet and <clears throat> water retention and I, I just never thought in my life I'd deal with any of that. How many of you in, in the illnesses you've had, do you ever think you'd deal with it? I mean, really. We've got folks with cancer and have beat cancer and it's come back and they're still fighting it. But what's the bottom line? I've got that in your outline there if you uh, turn to it there on the front. Because I, I, want, I want us to understand that the bottom line in today's message is this. God is everything that you're ever going to need. God is everything that you will ever need. <clears throat> when I got the leg infection, I laid in the hospital for 16 days. And for the 
10 days and my leg was three times the size it was supposed to be. And I asked the doctor, how did I get this infection? The best they could tell is the blisters on the bottom of my toes. And because I have neuropathy, I had no idea I had blisters on the bottom of my toes. But they said that seems to be the source where it started. But we don't know what kind of infection we're fighting. I said, well, that sounds interesting. (laughs) And so they were trying different antibiotics and they had to be careful certain medications to give because then it would affect my kidneys. And then if my kidneys shut down, I get to go on dialysis. And, you know, it was just a lot of things just because I got an infection under the bottom of my toe. Now, I never will forget the doctor's face on day 10. When he looked at me and he said, I think we turned the corner today. (laughs) I went, it's 10 days, doc. This is 2017. We ought to be able to just run a scan over me like Star Trek and be done with this thing, right? Uh, And the disease specialist is a foreign gentleman that I wanted to lovingly choke to death. Because every day he'd come in and he'd grab my leg and squeeze it. And he'd say, well, how's that feel? <laughs> lovely, just lovely was my response. No, it was pretty much a grit in my teeth and say, don't ever do that again, please. And so I, t- I told the main doctor, my primary doctor, I said, I don't want him to squeeze my leg when he comes in and asks me how I'm doing. He said, okay, I'll tell him. And the next day when he came in, he stood by the door. How are things today? Everything's okay today? <laughs> I think he was afraid I was going to hit him or something. I don't know. But this is what I've learned through all of my illness. Is that God is everything that we'll ever need. And also in your notes, don't forget this phrase. God knows everything, owns everything can do anything, and loves you perfectly. Some of my most special moments were in the hospital. I got a chance to um, be a receiver of people's love and care. That's all I've done all of my life. All my adult life has been a caregiver to other people. It's hard sometimes to be the receiver of that. But we've got to learn to be gracious in receiving. Don't put your hand out and expect it. But be gracious when people bring love and kindness into your life. We're going to look at some people today in the Bible that will help us. They faced insecurity and chaos in their life, but responded in the way that we should learn to respond so that our faith will be unshakable. I want to start with Moses. Most of you are familiar with Moses. He hung out with sheep, so he stunk a lot. Uh, saw a bush on fire but not being consumed. Here's talking coming from the bush. 
only to realize that it was God. And God tells Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to get my people and get them out of there. Moses isn't really happy with that conversation. Becomes fully engaged in excuse upon excuse upon excuse upon excuse of why he can't do something. Any of you understand that? Why we can't do something? Any of you ever spent time with God and told Him why you can't do something? I saw a poster one time that really resonated with me. It said, if you ever want to make God laugh, tell Him what your plans are. (laughs) Tell Him what your plans are. So in your notes there in Exodus 3, it says, Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them that the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask, what's his name? What should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So God said, tell them my name is I am. Now, occasionally, it's good to drop a name, isn't it? Now, today, if you're a conservative Republican, you don't want to use the name Trump too often. But if you're if you're a, a liberal conservative, you know, not conservative, liberal type person, boy, Obama is the man, the man, the man. Obama, Obama, Obama. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Sometimes it's good to drop names. Kennedy. Kennedy's a great name to drop. Especially if you're in the Northeast. If you're in the South, Davy Crockett, <laughs> Daniel Boone. You know, let's get back to some real, some good old boys, right? Don't want to drop Bush too heavy. Oh, he's done gone political now. I'm not going political. I'm just saying, using people's names can help you sometimes. What's the old phrase? It's not what you know, but it's who you know. A lot of times that's true, especially getting a job, isn't it? If you know somebody that's in the job getting business, and you're going after that job, and they're already working there, it's great for them to drop your name in the right place at the right time. What God was telling Moses when he said, I am, he's saying, Moses, I'm everything that you will ever need. I am sent you. Can you see Pharaoh's face when Moses showed up and said, I am sent me. (laughs) Moses said, I am the I am. That's what Pharaoh thought, that he was the I am. So let's take a look in your notes. And I want to give you some five ways to maintain your faith when you're struggling with illness. Number one, when you are afraid, trust God to calm you. Trust God to calm you. There were days when I was laying in the hospital with my leg propped up. And I just wasn't sure that 
I mean, it was difficult to get up to go to the restroom. Next to impossible. Until after day 10. And to put pressure on my leg to just hobble over to the uh, bathroom was excruciating pain. But I learned that the, long, the harder I trust God, the more I trust God, the calmer He made my heart. And He gave me opportunities to witness to people, especially the nurses. One nurse came in, it was about 10 o'clock at night. She wanted to just get some vitals and she sat down and then she pulled up a chair. She said, oh, you're a preacher, aren't you? <laughs> Pulls up her chair right by my bed. And then for the next hour... I got a chance to share with her the truth of the gospel. She needed reassurance that her child was going to be okay. She said, my, my son hates God and he doesn't want anything to do with God. And she says, I'm going to lose him. I, she, I said, well, the fact that he acknowledges that there is a God, there's hope. She said, well, he acknowledges that he doesn't like him. I said, well, then... He's had an encounter that caused him not to like him because he had no reason not to like him. She said, so you think there's a glimmer of hope? I said, there's always a glimmer of hope. God was teaching me. Second person I want you to encounter in the Bible is Gideon. Gideon was best known for wiping out an entire invading army with just 300 soldiers, 300 men. But if you really look at the story closely, and I would encourage you on all these people I mentioned, to go back and read their story, the whole story. But if you look at these stories, Gideon, he was always afraid. He, he wanted to have reassurance that he was making the right decision. Uh, remember the Gideon's fleece, he'd put the fleece out, and God, if you do this, then I'll do this. Boy, it sounds so much like us. God, if you'll do this, I'll respond here. God, if, if you, and then when God does it and we forget to respond, I, I don't know what happens there. God, if you will just do this, I will do this. You better do this. You expect Him to keep blessing and blessing and blessing, and then you keep disobeying, disobeying, disobeying. It's not going to work out very well. Gideon, Judges chapter 6. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. That should be there in your outline. And what Jehovah was saying, what, Je what God was saying is, Jehovah, I am your peace. Back to the I am, huh? And it's important to understand that when Gideon built this altar to Jehovah Shalom, I am your peace. God immediately told him to go to war. May sound a little weird, but I think it's because we don't fully understand what peace really is. Peace is, jot this down please. It's there in your, it's there in your notes. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is the absence of anxiety in the midst of trouble. It's 
The absence of anxiety. You ever been in a tense situation, but just felt complete calm and peace? That's the peace that passes understanding that the Bible talks about. After a while, 16 days in the hospital, after a while, I found the peace of the Lord, especially when I had the doctor say, I think we turned the corner today. I said, well, what are we, what, what are we treating? He says, we still don't know, but God, my doctor said, but God knows, and I think we're heading in the right direction. I like a doctor that likes to talk to God too, don't you? Peace is not the absence of trouble, it's the absence of anxiety in the midst of trouble. Wow, that's such a powerful, profound statement. Somewhere in your message notes, write this down. Write down a word that describes for you the fear, the source of the fear that you're struggling with. And I want you to do that right now. I want you just to write somewhere in there the word. It's a word that describes for you the fear or the source of the fear that you're struggling with right now. I don't know what it is for you. For me, I find the word uncertainty. Uncertainty. I've been battling this ulcer on the side of my foot for now almost a year. A year. And there's times I grit my teeth and I think, this podiatrist says she's a wound specialist? Really? But part of her struggle is she has to battle my body and what, how I've treated this thing. I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a, my own worst enemy. <laughs> I am. So uncertainty is that word for me. What's your word? Don't, don't yell it out. Just write it down. Some of you, when I open that up, some of you just start yelling at me. So don't. <laughs> Don't do that. But I also believe that if I will turn my uncertainty to God, to Jehovah I am, He will become Jehovah Shalom. I am your peace. It's been so, such a blessing for Cindy and me to have our grandchildren or at least three of them, this close all the time. I love it. I love it. So, Cindy will probably be an absentee preacher's wife. Because one weekend a month she'll be here, but the other she'll be traveling and seeing grandbabies. I already see my future. Maybe that's why I'm uncertain. Because it's just me and the dog at the house, and the dog's shaky looking at me last night, I could tell. God knows everything, owns everything, can do anything, and loves you completely. And when you're afraid, trust God calmly. Number two, when you are confused, trust God to guide you. Trust God to guide you. 
So often we don't know what to do. We don't know what decisions to make. When we are faced with illnesses, we we just have to lean on the doctor's knowledge and the, the drugs that they recommend. Well, they'll be the right drugs. Now, my wife is one of those Google people. Doctor says this, she's instantly on the phone finding out every, and then she goes to the dreaded WebMD. And if you could have the worst part of any disease, she's got it. Because she found it on WebMD. And I said, well, what'd you find out, honey? She goes, oh, you don't want to know. Okay. I said, well, you're going to the doctor. I'm never going to see a doctor. I said, okay. So if your leg falls off, hey, praise God, we'll know. I want us to think about David on this point. Psalm 23 is a powerful passage of Scripture. Verse 1 is where I want you to stay. It's in your, it's in your notes there. I want us to say it together. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's do that one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. See, the name that's used here is Jehovah Ra'ah. I am your shepherd. I am your shepherd. We ought to do a study just on the names of God. Boy, they're powerful. You ever heard people say that when they are about to die, that that their life flashes before them? Flashes before their eyes? Our memory verse there in James can help us focus our thoughts in that respect. And here's a free tip for you. If you're planning to get any life-threatening illness, I want you to memorize some scripture. Because in the midst of the darkness of the night, when you need reassurance, the scripture can bring that calm that only God's Word can. I found myself being awake at 2 and 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning. And like I've told you before, I learned a long time ago that when God... God wakes me up at those goofy hours of the morning or the night or whatever when I'm supposed to be asleep. He's calling me to pray. And what I began to do is that when I get up to pray, I say, God, who do I need to pray for? And the first name that comes out in my mind, in my heart, is who I need to pray for. And you know, I've told you the way I learned that. Lillian Noel taught me about the power of prayer. She said, I asked her one Sunday morning, I said, Lillian, how are you today? She said, oh, I said, I'm kind of tired. God woke me up to pray at three this morning. I said, he woke you up to pray. She said, yeah, I have a prayer journal that I keep and it's got a list of names and different situations. And as I just go through them one at a time and pray for them. And I was praying before I went to bed and I wasn't completely through the list, but I was tired and went to bed at three o'clock. She woke me up and I got up to pray. And she said, and guess whose name was next on my list to pray for? I said, well, who? (laughs) She said, you. I said, I'm just a lowly old youth minister at at a big church in Littleton, Colorado. What do you mean? What do you need to pray for me about? But she needed to pray for something about me 
And I'll never forget, it profoundly changed me in how I see prayer and view prayer. Jehovah Ra'ah, I am your shepherd. And if you're facing life-threatening illnesses or just any major illness, memorizing Scripture can bring a peace and a calm to you that it does pass understanding. It just doesn't make sense, but it will work if you'll learn to memorize and let God's words speak into your heart. Let's once again read our James 1 memory verse together. Again, it's there in your outline. You can follow along if, or open your Bibles and read along with me. Ready? Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. And when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Nothing! It's all yours! What could your life be like if you hear, from if, if, if a year from now... If you begin to respond with this truth before you reacted to the problem that's in your life, how different would your life be? So when you're confused, trust God to guide you. Number three, jot this down. If you are sick, trust God to heal you. Don't put all of your eggs in the basket of medicine. It's God who will guide the doctors to pick the right medicines if you're praying the right prayer. He'll do it. And if you've got a doctor and nurses that are prayer-driven people, they're going to find it. Some of my best conversations while I was in the hospital was with the nurses who just needed somebody. They don't get them. They don't get anybody just to talk to them. And I said, well, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> And they would stay in my room and we'd talk and we'd visit and I'm sure they were neglecting other patients, but those were God times. Those were God-ordained times. I'll always believe that. When you get sick, trust God to heal you. But you have to trust God to heal you in a way that He believes is best. In Exodus 15, it says, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, obeying His commands, keeping all His decrees, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Jehovah, Ra'ah, I am your shepherd, I am your healer. I want to encourage you that when you're sick, you can trust God to heal you. Number four, when you are in need, trust God to take care of you. I found myself praying more for Cindy during my sickness than I did for myself. Because I could see the trouble on her face every day when she walked into the hospital room. She worried that I wasn't going to be able to be well she worried the boys would call and she would get she'd get a good spin on it and then Corey's in Houston so he would call Jeff and gripe him out because he ended up there every minute of every day seeing what's wrong with me so I Jeff would drop by and he'd go are you okay I said yeah he said okay I gotta get a report in 
So. <laughs> number four, I want you to think about Abraham on point number four. God called him to take his only son and do a very unusual thing, actually sacrifice his son. Maybe you're familiar with that story. It's really a picture of how God would sacrifice his own son in our place down the road. But in Genesis 22, it says, And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. So he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Jehovah-Jireh. I am your provider. I'm going to give you a short definition of faith. Jot this down in your notes. Faith is trusting God enough to do what He says. Faith is trusting God enough to do what He says. Faith is trusting God enough to do what He says. Maybe you need to trust Him in your finances. Jesus told his followers, and he taught, and the Old Testament teaches, the whole book of Malachi, especially chapter 3, teaches this. It's about tithing. Oh, here he goes again. Don't talk about giving money. Yes, I am. Because until you learn to give God 10% of the gross that you have, not the net, the gross that you have, you're robbing yourself of tremendous blessing from God. 10% off the top. Don't wait for the other part to get there. 10%. If you get paid once a month, take 10% of that, set it aside, give it to the Lord. You'll be amazed at what He can do with the rest of it. You'll be amazed what God can do. So I want to encourage you in this area of tithing that that you continue. Those of you that understand it and tithe... God bless you. Keep doing it. Those of you that think you can't do it, try it. We probably need to do another tithe challenge. Many of you step up and begin to give in a way you never have during those tithe challenges. And you know what a tithe challenge is. You don't have to have a special challenge from me. You can challenge yourself. You can challenge God yourself. You can say, God, I'm going to start giving 10% for the next three months. And at the end of that three months... If if I haven't if I can't see a measured response and blessing from you, I'll quit giving. He says in tithing, it's the only place in the Bible he says, test me in this. Test me in this. I wanted to pass out commitment cards without a signature on them of people who would take the challenge. This was years ago. And I stated in there at the end of 90 days, if you, if you haven't received a residual blessing from God in some way that's measurable, we'll give your money back. Now I remember turning that into the elders that we had at that time, and one of them said, 
well, we're going to go broke. <laughs> and I said, how, how do you go broke on this challenge? Well, if we have to give all their money back that they gave, we won't have any money to give them. I said, okay, let's think this thing through. They're going to give 10% more than they've ever given. We're going to calculate that because then they had another form they filled out and turned in on an anonymous way so we knew exactly who was in it, how much they were giving. So we would be able to calculate exactly how much they gave in that three-month period. And then, So if they increased their giving by $100, then all they would get back after 90 days would be maximum of $300. I believe we could cover it because they've already given it. Does that make sense? If I could see the light bulb partially go on. But what was interesting is they didn't want to put it out that way for fear of what might happen on the back end of it. I said, well, no wonder God's not going to open the tap. Because even if your leadership is afraid to do that, the people sitting in the pews are going to be afraid to do that. That was interesting. Where your treasure is, Jesus said, your heart will be also. Oh, preacher, I just don't have the money I used to have to give. Then give based on what you've got now. Okay? Everyone, as you older you get, lose your jobs, you have to downsize money. I got it. But still you can give. Amen? It's between you and God. Literally between you and God. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Malachi 3, it'll challenge you. And I'm always amazed at how God in tangible and intangible ways will reveal Himself to us as Jehovah Jireh, I am your provider. And then quickly on to number five. Last response. When you're facing death, trust God to save you. When you're facing death, trust God to save you. Jeremiah chapter 23 says, For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. Now this name, Jehovah Sidkenu, starts with a T. Sikinu, I am your righteousness. Maybe you're here today and you've never become a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you've run from the Lord. (laughs) Stop running. You might be honest and say, you know, I've looked at the Ten Commandments and I know what those are. But I'm here to say to you what's... The New Testament says is is that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So don't ever forget that you've got an opportunity to get a gift that will never ever fade away. As long as you use the gift. It will always be yours. He is our righteousness. He is our meter of every need that we might face. 
He should be and can be everything that we need if we will but allow Him to do so. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we're so grateful for Your love and that You care enough to be here with us and there for us. Lord, help us to turn to You and experience You as You reveal Yourself in our lives. Help us to never forget and to always remember that You're everything we need in every facet of our life, in every twist and turn that we face. You will always be everything that we ever need. Thank You for being our provider. Thank You for being our righteousness. Thank You for being our Savior. Is there one here today, Lord, that needs to respond? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.